expect uh, pitchers to probably switch out baseballs as often as they can here. Oh, there's a beauty. Outside corner strike three. He struck out four in a row, including three in a row looking. So Sam Goodman settling into a groove for the rally. Hey, what's up, guys? My name's Samuel Goodman, a.k.a. Mr. Forcing, and I'm here to talk all things baseball, you know, whether it's training, whether it's diet, whether it's watching, betting odds, etc. And today I want to talk a little bit about the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays facing off in Game 4 of the 2020 MLB World Series. Julio Arias squares off against Ryan Yarbrough. Yarbrough is a 28-year-old standing tall at 6'5", 210 pounds from Lakeland, Florida. He was drafted in the fourth round of the 2014 MLB draft. He played two years in the, in the majors so far, both with Tampa Bay. Prior to the lefty, played two years at Old Dominion. And prior to that, he played a year of junior college baseball at Santa Fe in Gainesville. Julio Arias is a 24-year-old left-handed pitcher from Mexico. He's six feet tall and he weighs 225 pounds. He was signed by the Dodgers in 2012 on his 16th birthday. He was originally recruited when he was just 15 years old. Uh, this season in 2020, he has posed an ERA in the regular season of 3.27 and a postseason ERA of 0.56, which is incredible. Um, so I, I do believe that this will be an excellent matchup as we have what appears to be two gritty players. You know, you have Julio Arias, a kid that's been building his way up in the professional farm system since he was, quite frankly, 15 years old or 16 years old. And you have Yarbrough, who he's got two years in the major, but this dude's been grinding since since he's got graduated from high school, you know, starting at Juco. I used to play Juco baseball myself, and... I know that Juco ball is no joke. Um, so some of the intangibles that I like, I like that Yarbrough is six foot five. Uh, I like that Julio wears them goggles. I used to pitch with the goggles, and there's definitely like a persona that comes with being the guy wearing goggles. I like that they're both left-handed pitchers. Um, but in terms of Major League Baseball experience, the 24-year-old does hold a little bit more. Julio made his MLB debut in 2016, whereas, like I said, Yarbrough's only got two years in the league, even though he's 28 years old. So getting to mechanics now, we'll start with Ryan. I think that Funky is a fitting title for him. He drops his arm slot down when he presents his arm action. He drops his arm slot down to a sidearm-like release. He has a high leg kick. And he does separate him. Now, what's funky is he doesn't have the smoothest separation. It's definitely consistent. But we're talking about separating. Let's talk about the term dangle. Now, a dangle is uh, means basically when you start to separate, if your lower arm, which is your forearm, your hand, your fingers, if your lower arm goes below your elbow, so pretend you're throwing a baseball, and as you start to separate, if your lower arm goes below your elbow, that's a dangle. Doesn't matter how far below the elbow it goes. If it goes below your elbow, it's a dangle, right? So as or a common thing in Major League Baseball and with training that a lot of people are talking about, especially driveline, is this movement of short arming. And basically what short arming is, is there is no dangle the arm the lower arm does not go below the elbow and 
uh, I think that the reason that this is such a thing nowadays is for uh, arm injury prevention. So short arming prevents you from throwing too far uh, away from your center of rotation. Now the question next is, what is your center of rotation? If you're standing straight up, your body from head to toe is essentially your center of rotation. Imagine you're going to do a circle spin like a ballerina and how think about how they swing their arms, their trunk, their body, that whole their whole body is their center of rotation. Uh same thing works for baseball players when they're throwing a baseball or when they're swinging a bat, you know, the whole term of balance and being consistent with your center of rotation and they're referencing basically like your trunk up and down. Imagine imagine you're standing up and down and you could put a pull through your whole body. That's your center of rotation. Um so this arm action that I'm referencing and getting away from your center of rotation is more prone to happening if you long arm, if you dangle because you're separating farther, right? So say you dangle, you separate and you're getting ready to rotate rotate around your center of rotation. So if your arms are separated farther, that means that, or what happens is a lot of guys, as they start to rotate, their lower arm doesn't come into their near, doesn't come near their center of rotation. So imagine an infielder gets a ground ball. They get a ground ball hit to them. They feel it. What do they do? They bring the ball straight to their ear, like a short arm, right? Uh, someone's stealing a base and a catcher throws down to second. What does the catcher do? They go straight to their ear, right? So that head is their center of rotation. You see someone like Shane Bieber throwing, he short arms it. And when he initiates rotation, his lower arm of his throwing arm comes in next to his ear as he's rotating. And what this does is it creates a safe arm action that's more natural on our elbow joint, glenohumeral joint. And it creates this whip-like motion, wrapping the arm around and release looks like it's far from your center of rotation, but it actually is beginning close and finishing away. The common misconception that's been cliche in baseball throughout the years is a lot of guys will separate and rather than bringing their lower arm close to their center of rotation, they'll just throw a baseball with their lower arm staying away from their center of rotation the entire time. And what this does is it creates stress on your elbow because it's flexing it backwards in a way that's just not normal. If you're standing up and you got your arms, your palms are facing straight out away from you and you're standing like a goalpost and you're to flex your, your elbow backwards, you can only go backwards so far, right? It's because your arm's not designed to work that way. And if you're throwing farther from your center of rotation, it's doing just that. And as you do that over time, you're really creating a big chance of uh, an arm injury or tearing your UCL or maybe messing up your shoulder joint. Uh, so, you know, I'd say at bare minimum, as you begin rotation, you want that lower arm at least at 90 degrees. So if you if you are thinking about throwing something and you as you begin to rotate, your lower arm comes up and it's now above your elbow and it looks like you got your lower arm above your elbow at a 90 degree angle. If you go beyond 90 degrees away from your center of rotation, that's starting to throw at an obtuse angle. If you come in closer from 90, you're getting acute 
And like, you know, some people just aren't flexible enough to do it, but the closer you can get to the center of rotation, the, the safer it is on your throwing arm. Now, obviously you can make mistakes like throwing around a baseball. You gotta, you know, you want to pronate and stuff like that, but I'm getting off track here. So basically what I'm saying is Ryan Yarbrough separates, but his arm action is like, okay, I'd say he gets to right around 90 if that and uh you know they're just i think that's why he has this sidearm motion uh but you know everything else he does fine you know he uses his lower half well he separates well his glove side is good he reaches for his target pulls his glove in loads his scaps unloads the scap well everything ryan yarbrough does is good Except he just has kind of a shitty arm action. Like, I'm sorry, but he just does. But the thing is, his pitching repertoire is tailored to just that. That's why he throws his cutter 36% of the time. That's why he throws his changeup 30% of the time. That's why he throws his sinker 23% of the time. And his curveball 10% of the time. This is insane. I didn't even say the word fastball. Everything this guy throws moves, which can be challenging as a hitter. Now, Julio Arias, on the other hand, is just your you know, your standard left-handed pitcher, you know, he is a great leg load. He, he does what we say. He rides the wave. He sits on his back leg for as long as possible. Uh, he gets great separation. He dangles. Everything's fluid. Everything looks natural. Um, and he stays close. He creates torque. And once he gets to separation, his arm action is fantastic. Uh, he rotates with his throwing arm close to his center of rotation. Um, and he loads his scaps up really good. Uh, so if you're standing there and you're you're wondering what loading your scap is, take your throwing arm and bring your hand to your ear and your your throwing hand to your ear and your glove side to your glove side hip and pinch your scaps. Now that that feeling is the is loading of the scaps. Now what happens next is you have to unload the scaps. So a common problem is a someone doesn't know how to load the scaps. B someone doesn't know how to unload the scaps. You need to be able to do both. And Julio Arias does both really good. Um, and he keeps his back foot on the rubber throughout his motion. If you watch him throw, he his back foot. His push-off foot does not come off the rubber until the ball has been released from his hands. And oftentimes that's an indicator of, you know, having good control of your pitching. So I'm going to give Julio Arias the edge here at starting pitcher, especially his tenure with the team. He's been in these high-intense situations numerous times, especially being a Dodger. He's been in the league since uh, 2016. I think the Dodgers have made the playoffs every single year since. He's been in the National League Championship Series. He's played against teams like the cheating Houston Astros. This dude, his tenure is here, and he's only 24 years old. I think that we are in the midst of, you know, one of the next possible phases of Major League Baseball. You know, I do, I truly do think in the realm of sports that this Dodgers team could be the next dynasty of teams. Um, so, yeah, and I mean, just yesterday, the the Dodgers rolled Charlie Morton, big 6'6 pitcher who mixes up speeds. And, you know, he's a, comparable to Ryan Yarbrough. I'd say he's definitely better than Yarbrough, and they handled Morton just fine. Um, 
as far as the lineup goes, it's a no-brainer. You know, the Dodgers lineup is far superior to Tampa Bay's. Uh, it doesn't even matter that, you know, obviously both of these teams are in the World Series and they're both fantastic ball teams, but the Dodgers lineup is just crazy. You know, they're really good. You got Mookie Betts at leadoff, Cody Bellinger. It's literally an all-star team playing in the league. Uh, Tampa Bay has only been able to put up 19 runs in the last five games while the Dodgers put up 25, no big deal. And that doesn't even reference the three straight losses that Tampa had against Houston towards the end of the series in the ALCS. Um, but the thing I like about the Dodgers lineup is the front half is it's poised, experienced, and dangerous. And it doesn't get much easier as the lineup goes on. They capitalize on mistakes. They adjust to pitching. These guys are just good all around. You know, this is a this is a squad. This is a squad. And you can say the same with Tampa Bay, but they don't have those big names that like the Dodgers have. And and if there's any belief in manifestation, if you are just like someone that doesn't watch much baseball and you're just tuning in for the World Series, you're gonna watch say this is your first game, you're gonna watch this game and you're gonna be like, Oh my gosh, like the Dodgers look way better. This is lopsided. But, you know, Tampa is good. They got Mike Zunino as a catcher. They got great leadership. Um, they got good team chemistry, as they put it. And they got a good coach. They're young. They're ambitious. Anything can happen. You know, it's only a matter of time until this lineup sparks. But it just feels like they're in a little bit of a drought right now. And it feels like the Dodgers are in control of this series. Um especially after the tough series against Atlanta. But the other thing is you look at other sports and it's like the Super Bowl wasn't too exciting this year. Uh, NHL, the Stanley Cup was like a 4-2 series. The NBA Finals was a 4-2 series. I don't know why we're expecting this series to go seven. Like there's like no fans it's a neutral stadium. This is coming down to just who's the better team. And it's very obvious that LA is just better. Look at this. They they throw Kershaw. Then they throw Bueller. Then they throw Arias. You put Julio Arias on any other team and he is the number one. You know what I'm saying? And you get to the bullpen. First, you got to get through Dustin May. But they got Brewster Gratterall. They got Joe Kelly. They have so many guys that the only people that are going to beat the Dodgers is themselves. So that's my review of this game. I want to say there's a final score prediction of Dodgers 4, Braves 2. So that's my prediction for World Series Game 4. I'm looking forward to watching the game. And let's touch base tomorrow. Thanks for listening.